Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Thank you very much. It's good, good to be here for a final night, isn't it? How many came expecting? <sighs> because we want to be touched by the living God, you know. We really do. And... And when, when he touches you, it's, it, it's very residual. You know, it's going to stay with you for probably years. And you'll be just reveling in the blessing and the benefit of that touch of God. And so that's why we're all still excited after 22 years of this. Because story after story, life after life, miracle after miracle, and blessing upon blessing, it's just so amazingly good. So tell somebody beside you that you love the Lord. I mean, you just love him. Come on. Now tell him, Lord, I love you. And just really, really love you because you're so good. Well, we have uh, a number of friends that came along with us. Uh, Dan and Gwen are here from uh, Toronto. And, uh, and Mike and Andrew are here from uh, North Carolina. And New, New Bern, North Carolina. How many know where that is? It's just in this beautiful spot. Uh, these guys know where it is over here. Do you know those people over there, Mike? He knows where New Bern is. And so I'm going to ask Andrew to come on up and just say hi for a couple of minutes and uh, share his heart with you. He's uh, originally a Canadian from Victoria area, uh, B.C., and now he lives in New Bern. So, Andrew, give him a welcome, everybody. And it's such a privilege to be up here, such a privilege. Most of all, the Holy Spirit, man, I've never actually felt the Holy Spirit like I've felt over the last three, four days. You know, usually you feel the Holy Spirit um, in a church service, church meeting, when you're soaking maybe, Um and it's really not stopped since we've gotten up here. And sometimes, sometimes we can be in revival and not realize we're in revival. How many Christians, how many believers around the earth have cried out for this for centuries? And we're walking in it right now. There are people waiting for the message that Holy Spirit has. Ready to pour out of you. Ready to pour out of me. And it's easier than we think. If you want Holy Spirit to pour out through you, I want you to stand up right now. If you're born again, put your hand up. You're a lighthouse to the world. I'm going to read this and declare this over you. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I declare over you tonight that you are perfectly righteous in Jesus Christ. The light of the world is inside of you. God Almighty, the creator of the universe, is ready and willing to pour out through every one of us. We are not trying to convince him as much as he is trying to convince us. Holy Spirit, we receive right now what you have been crying out for from generation to generation. We receive it right now. We receive your promise, Jesus. You are so excited for your glory to be poured out, for your sons and daughters to be revealed on the earth. Oh, Jesus, the enemy has nothing before you. Your glory is shining. It's getting brighter. Close your eyes. Can you see it? The glory of the Lord is increasing on the earth right now. Arise and shine, for your light has come. I declare this over the earth right now. Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth. <laughs> flow, Holy Spirit, flow. Oh, we just receive you right now. We're not in a rush. We receive you flowing right now. Right now in this place, the Holy Spirit is writing into your life the people that will be saved, the people that will be healed, the people that will be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's writing it into your DNA right now. As our faith is rising, do you believe it? Tonight is unlimited. Tonight is unlimited. And Jesus Christ is willing. May the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his sufferings. You're being drenched right now in the Holy Spirit. It's increasing right now. You don't need to force it. It's just happening. It's increasing in the room right now. You've been crying out for it. You've been wanting it. You've been saying, Lord, how? What do I need to do? It's happening right now. Jesus wants it more than you do. Your heart is open, therefore Holy Spirit is doing it because Jesus is willing. Bless him, Father. Yeah, just keep that river flowing, Father, in this place. In your mighty name. Hmm. Renew your strength. Wait upon the Lord. That's good. Gwen Slade is here, Dan's wife. Awesome woman of God. And I, 
I want Gwen to come up and say hi as well. So just smile at somebody, bless them, give them a little tap or whatever, and, and say, may the anointing flood through you, and may your life get wrecked in his presence tonight. And take your seats again, and uh, let's give Gwen a welcome, shall we? Come on, Gwen. Hello, everyone. Thank you for inviting us and welcoming us. Now, I want to share, I'm going to do this briefly, something that the Lord has shown me from the Song of Solomon. I, so I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Song of Solomon, because I don't want to read all the verses. I'm, we're going to quickly actually go through the Song of Solomon. You know, in life, things happen to us. You know, not so nice things happen to us. You know, we get wounded you know, from abuse, from rejection, disappointed. And because of those wounds and those hurts, we put walls up in our lives. We all have walls up. It's a normal part of life. And, you know, we're told, we're told over and over again, you know, you got to take those walls down. You got to take those walls down because walls, it's a barrier. It keeps God out and it keeps people out. And, you know, so we try to do that. Let's be real honest. We try to take those walls down, say, okay, you know, I know I have this wall here. Okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to take brick by brick, and we start taking our walls down, and then you get hurt again. And what happens? Up goes the wall. And then you hear that again. You've got to take your walls down, and you say, I tried that. It didn't work. And, you know, the walls are there for a reason. We put those walls up for protection. We put those walls up so that we can survive. And we know that we don't want them there, but we don't know how to get rid of them. And, you know, we have a pastor, a European pastor. One time he was going to counsel a man, and this man had a lot of walls up in his heart. And he was all prepared to go and tell this man, you need to take your walls down. But as he was going to counsel this man, God stopped this pastor and said, I want you to tell him he does not have to take his walls down. And the pastor's like, what do you mean, God? He has to take him down and said, no, you tell him he does not have to take his walls down. You know, we were singing about what a good God he is. Our God is so kind and he's so good. And he said, you tell that man, he does not have to take his walls down. I will come behind the wall with him. And I will spend as long as he needs behind that wall together. And when he's ready, I will bring him out from behind that wall on a different path. And, you know, if he needs to go back behind that wall, I'll go back behind with him. And, you know, I heard that, and it just rang inside of me, and I started sharing that. And I asked the Lord one time, Lord, where is that in the scriptures? And it's in Song of Solomon. And if you look in the book of the Song of Solomon, it's talking about the relationship between the Shulamite and the Beloved. And, you know, right from chapter 1, they are in a relationship. And if you look at chapter 2, verse 9... They're already in a relationship. There's an intimacy starting there. And in chapter 9, here in verses, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, 
Here the beloved is coming. He's running along the mountains, and he's skipping, and he says in verse 9, My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall. Here's our beloved. He's excited. He's full of joy to come to us, and he comes up to us, and there's a wall. He's looking at us behind that wall. And there's this wall. And he says, my beloved spoke and said, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away, for lo, the winter is past. You know, behind that wall, it's, it's cold. It, we have coldness in our heart when there's a wall up, and it's, we're frozen there. And God is saying, that season is over. It's past. The rain is gone. The flowers are going to come. It's time for spring. And, you know, as, th as you... The beloved comes to your wall, and you invite him behind your wall, and as you go after him and pursue him and say, come, come behind my wall, and if you look through chapter 2 and chapter 3, uh, the intimacy is developing and it's growing because the beloved in verse 216 has got the revelation, the beloved is mine and I am his. And they're spending time behind the wall in intimacy. And if you go into verse 4, chapter 12, look what is happening behind that wall. All of a sudden, in 12, it says, A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. Verse 16, it says, Let my beloved come to his garden. As you allow the Lord to come behind that wall and you spend time with him, it becomes a garden. It becomes a place of beauty. And if you look down in chapter 5, into chapter 5, it says, drink deeply, O beloved ones. That garden becomes a place to drink with the Lord and to drink deeply. But if you look on in chapter 5, you know, sometimes we say, well, you know, I failed the Lord. I've tried and I've, you know, I've stopped spending time with him. And now what do I do? If you look in chapter 5, here they're in an intimate relationship. She's drinking deeply with him. And he comes one night, knocks on the door, and, and she's in bed. And she says, I've already covered up. I have my robe off. I have, I've already washed my feet. She doesn't want to get out of bed. You know, sometimes we get, you know, let's face it, we get comfortable behind the walls. And we've learned to live behind those walls, and we're comfortable. And we don't want to uncover ourselves. We don't want to do the work involved of allowing the Lord to come back. But she realizes her mistake, and she gets up, and she goes after him again. And, you know, during this time of going after him, in verse 7, she experiences pain. You know, sometimes pain happens as we let him get behind the wall and deal with the reasons that the wall is there. And her veil is taken away. She gets uncovered. She gets exposed. But she keeps going after him, and she gets him. And in verse, uh, later on in verse, she finds him. Sorry, I'm just trying to see where it is. And she grabs him, and she won't let him go. And in chapter 6, she hangs on to this thing. Chapter 6, verse 3, I am my beloved's and he is mine. In all that, she didn't lose that. Yeah. I am my beloved's and he is mine. 
I'm doing this very quickly, but there's a lot more. And as you keep going through the, the whole book and see the relationship developing, in chapter 7, verses 10 and 11, all of a sudden she is saying to the beloved, come, let's go out to the fields. Let's go to the village. Let's go to the vineyard. She no longer needs to be behind that wall. She is free. She's, she's asking the Lord, let's go out. And what I really like at the end is that as their intimacy is growing, the last verse in Song of Solomon is similar to that one I read in chapter 2, verse 9, where the beloved is it's like a gazelle. It says, make haste, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountain of spices. But this time when he's coming like a gazelle to you, there's no wall. There's no mention of a wall there. So people, don't let those walls stop you from going after the Lord. Invite him to come in behind those walls. You know, we can have more than one wall in our life. We've all, that's just life. We all get wounded and hurt. But don't let that stop you from the intimacy with the Lord. Ask, invite him to come behind those walls. Take that time with him. And it may take a while. And it may be painful. And you may have to get exposed and get help. But that's okay. He will be with you. And he will bring you out from behind that wall. And he will make that wall become a place of a garden where you will drink deeply with him. It will no longer be a place of winter and coldness and pain, but it will be a place of a garden and intimacy and a place to drink with your Lord. Okay, yes, thank you, Gwen. Take that word of encouragement and just let's go after God, shall we? We, we talked a little bit uh, on one of the nights about forgiveness and um, how that coming out from behind those walls of hurt and fear and shame and pain um, is, is really where the freedom is. And yet the Holy Spirit meets people and helps you, and helps you get out from under all that stuff. And that's, like I said, that's why we're excited about it. And so we want to go into a time, of a meeting tonight where every single person in this room gets a powerful touch of God. How many would like that? You know, there's three journeys we're on. And the first one is the inward journey, which is for you. And then the upward journey for him, then the outward journey for others and for them. And so if, if you don't get reality on the inside of your heart and have an encounter, a life-changing encounter with Christ, your Savior, with Abba, your heavenly daddy, and then with the Holy Spirit, you know, you're really just talking from uh, religious tradition or uh, theory or theology and various other things that are all good, but it's not real in terms of your own heart's experience. 
And so that's what happened to us in Toronto many years ago, 22 years ago. We were just carrying on, longing for more, and uh, not knowing just quite what to do. And we heard about revival in Argentina. We went there, and we got prayer from a wonderful friend now down there named Claudio Friesen. And there was an impartation that came into our hearts, and we knew something had shifted. And this is after many such things over the years. And we came home and invited Randy Clark. And when he came, uh, it was normal, normal, the whole night, Thursday night. And then all of a sudden, when, when people came forward to have prayer uh, that was not strange to us, the Holy Spirit fell. And uh, he obliterated the whole room. And that was so shocking and so new. I'd seen people fall over lots of times, usually one at a time. And, you know, you want to fall over, you get that one up, and then you do the next one. That was kind of how it was managed from the front. But this night, he just went kaboom, and the whole room was out under the power. Can you imagine a room full of people wailing and shaking and laughing and shouting and thrashing about? <laughs> and you're supposed to be in charge and you don't know what the heck to do. <laughs> and that was where the Lord just hijacked the meeting and that was the first time. But the fruit of it was so amazing that, that we, we just kept going and we did nightly meetings for 12 years. And many of you have been to Toronto. How many have been over? How many got a wonderful, refreshing touch of the Holy Spirit? Never the same again. Wave at me. Okay. Well, that sold me on the importance of getting into the river of God and letting the Holy Spirit uh, come and change you and make a difference. And that river flows in, in many areas, but the but the main one, and I think the beginning point for most of us, is getting into your heart so the walls will come down or get washed away or whatever, but so that you get strengthened on the inside so that you can go for it and be sustained because of the reality of God in your heart. Yeah? So why don't we invite him just to come right now? Holy Spirit, We've already done that. We invited you in the worship. We invited you when Andrew spoke. We invited you when Gwen spoke. We invite you again. I need you tonight to come and flood my soul with that living water of God. So let's have a quick look at the river from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. It's a very familiar passage. You've probably heard several messages on it. How many have heard messages on Ezekiel 47 before? Half a dozen of you, okay. Okay, I'm going to read it. I'll highlight it. Yeah, but we're pre predominantly looking at verse 47 from 1 unto uh, 9. The prophet is with a man of God. He's like an angel, perhaps the Lord, who's leading him into, 
into this experience. It says, it starts out, then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate, led me on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east and there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters and the water came to my ankles. Now he, he goes through several steps here. He measures 1,000 cubits, which is about 18 or 20 inches thereabouts. And we get out into this big wide river and so far, it's, it's only ankle deep. And there's a lot of people get in the river up to their ankles, you know, and it, you, can, you can kind of splash around in that, and, and it's refreshing, and it's good. But, but this is measured. This is intentional now by the Lord. He wants us refreshed. He wants us to play. He wants us to have fun. But now it, he measures out another 1,000 cubits. And it's verse 4 said, he brought me through the waters and the water came up to my knees this time. And now it's, it's getting a little more serious. And again, he measured a thousand and he brought me through the water that came up to my waist. A couple of years ago, um, some guys in New Zealand um, that were telling me that fishing in Zealand was like nowhere on the face of the earth. I mean, and they're telling me this story. Oh, John, you, if you come fishing with us, you'll, you'll get tired of taking them off the hook. I'm like, really, Graham? He said, oh, yeah. I mean, really, really. And so, you know, I thought, well, I'd like to go with you. And he said, come on. And so we, we found out when's the best time of the year for fishing in New Zealand. And, you know, we arranged some meetings that coincided accidentally with <laughs> when it was the best fishing time in New Zealand. Yeah, so we went down there to, uh, to their Hope Center in, uh, it's, it's in Wellington, New Zealand. And I'm telling you, it's, it's just a rip-roaring, wonderfully wild Holy Ghost church. Georgian's been there, and he described it as a Winnie-friendly church. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah. So we had a good time, but then we went fishing. Well, what had happened was the worst storm and the wind and rain and everything else had, had just happened, and these rivers were, were all stirred up, and they were muddy, and there were this and that and the other, and so the fishing was like, mm. and we tried here and we tried there, and we went to this one river, and we never so much as saw fish or had a strike at all. But then here I am now with hip waders up to here. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I'm not accomplished at this. And Graham's like fly fishing away, you know, and throwing it out there and carrying on. And so I'm trying, okay, I'll, he gave me a few basics, so I'm throwing the fly out. But I'm walking into this river. I get up to my ankles, and I'm really like, wow, this, this thing is really fast. It is flowing. And... And I could feel it on there. He said, now nah, go on, you got to get out deeper. And I'm thinking, 
gosh, I got, I got my cell phone on me, and, you know, this is, if I fall in this thing, and, 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 and these hip waders get filled up, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. And so, okay, I'm going deeper. And we carefully go out over the rocks and everything. And now I'm up to my knees, and I'm feeling the ripping of that current against my legs. And now he's way out, you know. And so, okay, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to get out there a little more. Maybe there's some fish. And I get out there, and I'm, I'm waist deep in this rushing river, and I'm like hanging on. I'm trying to fish, but I'm worried more about falling in than anything else, you know. And I realized that the river that flows from the throne of God is a rushing, mighty river. And when you and I get into it, you know, it's not just like a lake where, you know, you can walk into your waist and in and out, and there's, there's no effect on you. This river has potential to take you somewhere. Well, then he measures another thousand cubits, and by this time further downstream, now, now there's water to swim in. You, you can't wade across this thing anymore. There, it's just water to swim in. And something happens when, when you transition from... You're still in control. You're up to your waist, and, and you still are managing, you know, but the river is on the verge of taking you with it. But now you're at the point where it's water to swim in, and if you're going to go for it, you've got to dive in. And now the, you don't have the river anymore. The river has you. And so much of the Holy Spirit is like that where he, he lets you kind of take your time and get used to it and have some fun and this and that and the other. But if you go for it, I'm telling you, that river is going to carry you. And you won't be in control anymore. He will be in control of you. Is that okay? So the whole self-control thing, I've been commenting on that all week. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, etc., and ends up at self-control. And that is really for you to control yourself. That's not for you to control the Holy Spirit. So you can tr- control yourself and say no to sin. But when you get into that river of God, it is waters to swim in. And if we carry on reading, uh, we'll, we'll see that there's life in this river. So he said to me, son of man, verse 6, have you seen this? And he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned along the bank, there were very many trees on one side on the other. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea, the Dead Sea. When it reaches the sea, the Dead Sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that everything that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. Just say that to your friend. Everything lives wherever the river goes. That's why we're 
excited tonight um, about all that God's doing because everywhere the river goes, things come alive. And I've just been thrilled over the years to see marriages really strengthen and heal. Our own marriage improved. My children coming alive. My daughter in the ministry. Um, and, and our people just getting transformed by the anointing. And just getting in the river. Now, it's the Father's promise. Now, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, right? And there's many wonderful analogies about him. Uh, river is one of them. He's a river. Uh, oil is another one. Wind is another one. Rain is another one. Fire is another one. And all these uh, descriptive words tell us of an aspect of the Holy Spirit. And... What it is is such a connection heart to heart with the living God that it will thrill you beyond what you're able to articulate. And I can't tell you how many people uh, have been lost for words. I'll say, hey, you, you, obviously you're getting really filled up and blasted here. Like, what's going on? And they're like, uh, and, and they can't even talk. Because it's just so good. They can talk after when they sort of recover. But friends, we don't ever want to let this go. Many of you have been touched already. And, but it was a long time ago. And so what I want us to do is get back in the river tonight and stay in. All right? Why? Why? Because it's a river of life, and it will bring life to you, and it'll refresh everything wherever that river flows. It's going to bring tremendous life and healing to you. And what that looks like often is people people who can't quite function normally because they're being overwhelmed by this invisible force. Now, if you'd seen me trying to walk in that river, you might have said, what the heck is the matter with him? He's like, you know, just, just being very careful and just again and another one. And, you know, because then there's, Ooh, there's a rock there. Watch out. And you know, I wasn't just walking around normally. Why? Because there was a river raging between my legs. And the Holy Spirit is like that. And when he comes upon you, he, he has a way of debilitating you in terms of the way you normally function. And what I want to point out is, why would that surprise us? See, if God's going to touch you even just a little bit, the miracle is that you live through it. Isn't it? God touched you and you lived. Yay, Wow. The one you can't even look in his face and live? He touched you? Oh, my goodness. Well, we're dealing with something that is so powerful and so wonderfully supernatural, but fortunately, it's rooted and grounded in love, 
And so he wants you to have a powerful experience. Now, I don't know where all you people are from and your background, but in the background I came from, they didn't believe in religious experience, really. Uh, they believed in the word of God. And here's the irony of that. The Bible is a book of experiences. Talks about the experience of Abraham, the experience of Adam, the experience of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the experience of Joseph, and the experience of, of King David, and the experience of, of Solomon, and the experience of Isaiah, and the experience of Samuel. And these people all got touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they wrote it down. And, and so we have this wonderful book called the Bible that is absolutely the word of God from cover to cover. But they're writing about their experiences, aren't they? Even Paul. Even Jesus. Tell your friend, you need to experience God. Now, he wants a heart-to-heart -heart connection with you that is absolutely life-changing. And I was just reading uh, this afternoon in, in the room from, from John chapter 14 uh, about how powerful all this is. And I'm, I'm hoping to stir something up deep within you and that we can, we can see the kingdom of God released among us and see some, some glory fall and some miracles happen maybe. And uh, at the end, I'd love to just uh, make room so that we could pray for everyone who wants prayer so they could have a divine touch of the Lord. How many would like prayer tonight? Good. Most of you. Well, what happened to me was on that first night, we got completely overwhelmed with the intensity of the presence of God. If you can imagine, it's your church and you know most of the people and you've, you're, they're, they're fairly predictable in what they do and don't do. And all of a sudden, they get hit by God and the whole room explodes into chaos. And we, it was so wonderful. I'm like, we had planned to go uh, four nights with Randy Clark, who was our guest speaker, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But by Friday night, I, I got with him. I said, Randy, you cannot go home. So let's talk about this. And we phoned his wife, and she's, okay, well, he can stay two more days. Great. We're going Monday, everybody. And if, it's, if he comes again, we'll go Tuesday. And by then, like Randy, you can't go home. <laughs> and she's, all right, well, he can stay two more days, but that's it. And so we, we just had this incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit that started off in that vein. And the day came when Randy went home, and now what's going to happen? Now it's back over to me. But, you know, the Holy Spirit came again and again, and he kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And he, he did it for 12 years on a nightly basis, and he still continues to come, and he's going to come tonight for you. He's committed to meet the hungry and the thirsty and fill them with good things. 
so we just want to we just want them to do that, don't we? How many are hungry for this? You see, so what is it that we're we're after? You know, let's let's look at John fourteen together. Um, I think it was this morning or one of the meetings I was telling the people from John fourteen verse fifteen. Uh, or verse 12, I should say, where he, he's saying, the works that I do, you will do. Truly, truly, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So just put the greater works aside for a moment and think about what Jesus did. What's your greatest miracle? What's your favorite miracle? Raising the dead. Jesus did that. Cleansed the lepers. Walked on water. Uh, on and on. And, and he's saying, the works I did, you will do also. Point to your friend and say, you. How are you going to do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified through the Son. Do you know when you do miracles in the name of Jesus, the Father is glorified through the Son? It's so good. And you've, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, verse 16, and I will pray, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now, this is such a powerful verse because in those early years, the days, days, weeks, years, my fear was that we'd turn up one night and the Holy Spirit wouldn't show. And I was like, oh, God, please come again, please come again, please come again, please come again. And, you know, we, I don't ever want to go back to the way we used to do church. I mean, it wasn't all that bad. It was good. The worship was good. The people were nice. I mean, you know. But it was, it was devoid of the supernatural presence of the unseen one moving around where you never knew what to expect. And the thought of going back to the way we were, I just couldn't handle it. So I'm going, oh, God, please, will you come again tonight? It was. It got to where, like Jeremy even wrote a song. Uh, I think for me, "Do It Again, Lord," you know. And uh, and so I'm home, reading, and I'm reading this passage. And he said, "He will give us another helper, another comforter." Uh, and in Greek, it's "alos parakletos," which means another paraclete, another helper of the very same kind as me, Jesus is saying. Now, there, there's two words in Greek for another. One is heteros and one is allos. Heteros means another of a different kind. Allos means another of the identical, very same kind. And he says, I am going to give you someone who's exactly like me, and he was he will be with you forever. And you know, that just went right into my spirit and right into my heart. And I said, God, 
do I get to keep this? And he said, yeah, you get to keep it. Oh, my goodness, that brought such peace to my heart. I can't, be, I can't begin to tell you. And so here we are looking back all these years, and the Holy Spirit, Alos Paracletos, he has been with us all this time, and he, he never fails. It's so wonderful. So that was the setting, and we'll keep reading here for a bit because I want you all to get this. He will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know, seeing is believing for the world. You can't see the Holy Spirit. And so you have to help people and say, well, can you see the air you're breathing? Is it real? Well, yeah, the air is real. Well, how much more real is the spirit of God? And so you don't see him, but we believe in him. Uh, but the world doesn't see him, and they don't know him because, uh, yeah. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, there's an amazing promise. God, the Holy Spirit, is with you and will be in you and is in you already. So just, just say hello to him right there. It's like Benny Hinn's book. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. You're so welcome. We want you in there. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now, this is... This is getting real interesting, but when we talk about God, we're now moving into spirit-to-spirit -spirit, uh, experience and revelation here. That becomes very powerful. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Say that to your friend, manifest. That means he's going to become apparent. You're going to see something. There's a manifestation yeah. of something. There's a manifestation of something. When the Holy Spirit and God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son start to come into you, there's a manifestation of something. And I can't begin to tell you how it's manifestations... That have, that have frightened multitudes away. Now let's think about it for a minute. Why would, why would the presence of God coming upon a person and them reacting to it, um, and we're, we, you know, we all know that people can fake it or it can be this or that, but my experience is, 95% of it was genuine. So we're talking genuine manifestations. Genuine. <laughs> and so what's going on? Well, well, there was a manifestation of the Trinity coming and filling and indwelling and impacting the lives of people. 
And you know what? I, f- I found that it was, it, it, was, it was not only amazing for the person that was happening to, but it was amazing for those of us who were watching it as well. I mean, Cameron gave his testimony this morning, but he came into Toronto and he was a skeptic and a critic. Uh, but three days later, he's, he's, the river is carrying him out the door. And he's just completely overwhelmed. And somebody came up to him and said, more, brother. And that was it. He was gone again. And, and he just laughed and laughed and laughed. And this went on for, sounded like hours. <laughs> and when he got back to the hotel, his wife and kids are asleep in the room. And he's trying to quiet down and trying, I've got to stop. I've got to because I don't want to wake them up. And he's struggling to get his equilibrium. He wants to get out of the river a little bit, you know. And so he quietly goes in the room, and he went in the bathroom to brush his teeth or whatever, and he noticed his deodorant stick sitting there that said 53% more. And when he heard that M word, it was all over. He's just bam on the floor, laughing uproariously, yelling and carrying on. And uh, Kathy woke up like, what the heck is going on? And there he is holding up this deodorant and laughing. Uh, more, more, you know. And it, that's, that's just amazing. It's so amazing. Uh, the manif- the manifestation, he said, we will come and reveal ourselves to you. We will come and manifest ourselves to you. And, and so, um, I watched my wife get completely undone where she couldn't stand. I remember trying to take her uh, home and, and across the parking lot, and, and she's just laughing and slapping her side and hilarious, and sh- the whole time she's walking on the sides of her feet. And you think, well, why was she walking on the sides of her feet? I have no idea. We were in Texas doing a meeting, and a guy there, we're just talking like we're doing. He got hit by the Holy Spirit, and he started running around the auditorium, just like, you know, Speedy Gonzales. And, and, and so I, I caught up with him later on, and I said, so, so tell me, what was happening? Why did you take off running around the room? Because it was very entertaining to the, some of us, you know, that were there watching. And he said, I felt like my feet were on fire. Now, you know, if your feet are on fire, you're apt to do something like that. I remember a pastor's meeting in England. And, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, that we, we always lived under the illusion that the English were very proper. And... Um, you know, they weren't emotional. They were just very proper. That's not true at all, just so you know. The real English come out at a, at a sort of a soccer football game type thing, and you see what they're like, right? 
Anyway, this is a pastor's meeting, and we started to share, and the Holy Spirit started falling sovereignly on people. And I remember this one guy is rolling across the room, hit the wall, hit the wall, roll back, hit the wall, hit the wall. And I'm like, if I hadn't have seen it, I wouldn't have believed it. Because my, my Baptist mom, she told me about the holy rollers. So apparently she'd run across this, I don't know. But I always thought it was just the Baptists belittling the Pentecostals. That's what I thought. It's not true. Oh, yeah, they roll, they swing from the chandeliers, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, when I saw that guy rolling, I mean, I, 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 it, it just shocked me that there really, really are holy rollers. And so... Um, I, I just could hardly uh, wait to talk to him. And so I said, sir, pastor, sir, I noticed that you were rolling back and forth on the floor. What was going on? Why did you do that? Do you know what he said? I felt like I was on fire. Well, see, if you feel like you're on fire, you're apt to do that, aren't you? So this is a manifestation of the Trinitarian presence of God coming upon people with the fiery presence of the Holy Spirit. Another time in India. Oh, my gosh. The pastor there, and I noticed him. He just was, he started getting uncomfortable. Next thing you know, he's shaking his hands, and he's doing stuff like this, and he more and more and more, and he's like, then he took off running. And he ran into the men's room. And I asked him, why did you do that? And he said, my hands were burning. I got in and I turned the faucet on. And I stuck my hands under the faucet. And I was desperately trying to get the fire out that was burning on my hands. And then there's loads of, of fun manifestations, too, you know, like. How many know Heidi Baker? Heidi came into Toronto like she, her testimony, burned out missionary, and desperate really for God, and just losing the whole thing. She was so discouraged, she wanted to go work at Kmart. Do you guys still have Kmart stores? I mean, they're, they're gone by, by the way, for the most part, haven't they? But anyway, that's what she was hoping to do because she just had enough. And she got completely overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, and she could not stand or move or anything. The minute she'd come in the door, her legs went like rubber spaghetti, and she was out. And we, we some of our team were trying to help her, and we got a wheelchair and put her in and, and you know, c carried her around and all that kind of thing. And, and then one time when um, Randy was preaching about God is wanting to give you the nation, and Heidi got absolutely hit by the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the platform's here. Heidi was down there, and she went right up into a headstand. Now, a headstand is like your head on the floor and your two hands supporting you and her feet straight up. And she did that for 40 minutes. 
So we're like, Heidi, are, are you okay? <laughs> I think so, because her husband's getting really concerned by this point, you know. Okay, they laugh and they have a few things, but this is getting crazy. Are you okay? What is the Lord saying to you, Heidi? He's telling me he's going to turn my world upside down. So if he's going to turn your world upside down, it just may be that there is an acted parable that goes along with it. Well, then one of our guys, Ian Ross, he, he came up with a bottle of water. And he said, John, I, I feel like I'm supposed to pour this over Heidi. And I'm like, Ian, really? I mean, that's really weird, man. He said, no, he said, I really feel from the Lord. I said, well, then we'll ask her. I said, Heidi, Ian wants to pour a whole bottle of water over your feet. And, and then, is that okay? Are you okay with that? And she goes, what difference could it make now? It can't be, can't be any more weird than it is. And so he poured that whole bottle of water over her. And, you know, she's upside down, so it runs all down her up down, up, her legs, whatever, and, and she's soaked. <sighs> well, she went home to Mozambique. Then they got hit. Hurricanes. Boom, boom, boom. Three of them. It wiped out the whole area. The UN was in there with helicopters, and they're flying food and grain and everything. And Heidi said, we've got to put Bibles on these helicopters. I won't tell you where they are unless you take Bibles and take one of our people. And you know, the people were congregated on the high ground. They'd lost everything through the floods. They wanted the Bibles more than they wanted food. And in about a four-month period of time, they saw 30,000 come to Jesus. Now, how many think that's worth standing on your head over? Man, I would do that. 40 minutes standing on my head, 30,000 souls, I'm up for that. Done. So, see, these manifestations are actually God coming and very often making some sort of a prophetic statement through what's going on. And that was all the roaring and even the occasional barking and the whatever else happened. And it's amazing how many people could not look beyond that to see the purposes of God. But it was just so much fun in the process. Yes. 